Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hello and welcome to Off The Beat and Track podcast. I'm your host, I'm Stu Whiffin. It's another week, therefore it's another episode. Today's episode is with Nick Hawks. I've known Nick for a while now, and uh, and let me tell you a little bit about Nick. So Nick uh, was one half of Kicks Like a Mule um, that had the chart bothering um, hit the bouncer. Uh, Nick was also um, one of the co-founding partners uh, and set up XL Records. Nick also set up Positiva Records. Um, Nick manages Liam Hallett. Uh, he's he's just uh, he's literally ticked every major box in uh, in the music industry. So he's he's somebody that I love chatting to. Um, he's got so many great stories, and you're going to hear a fair few of them today. And what I should say as well, he's he's also a great podcaster. Uh, him, alongside former guest uh, Eddie Temple Morris, uh, run the Trailblazers podcast. Which, if you like this podcast, you will love that podcast. Um, it's uh, well, I won't tell you too much about it because um, Nick will tell you as this podcast unfolds anyway. And what I should say is we recorded this podcast during lockdown and there was a little glitch with the recording um, my end, um, which means we've used the first 10 minutes of um, the Zoom audio. And then by the time Nick gets into telling us what his first song choice is, it's, it's back to um, the, the two audio feeds. So it, it, it drops back into a much better quality recording once we get the, the hellos out of the way. Um, also, before we get on the episode, I'd like to say a big thanks to uh, 76 for producing this podcast and kind of making it all sound great for years. And a uh, big thanks to Scoobius Pip and everybody over at the Distraction Pieces Network. Okay, if you enjoy this episode and it's your first time listening to Off The Beaten Track, go and have a look in the archive because there's about 120 episodes with some of your favourite musicians, producers, actors, comedians, artists. Go and have a, a rummage in the archive. Okay, let's uh, let's let's get on with it. Um, please enjoy Off the Beaten Track podcast with Nick Hawks. I've got an announcement. Save Our Souls Clothing. www.sosclothing.co.uk Why am I telling you this? Because they're our official sponsor. Yeah, that's right. Go and check them out because their clothing is off the scale. You're going to love it. So they've decided they want to be our sponsor, which is amazing. And what I have to do is I have to tell you about why they're amazing. So here's a little bit of blurb. So they've only been going a year. 
and they're based in South End on Sea, just up the road from me. They put the company together based on a a love of tattoos and alternative music. And they've worked with some of the greatest artists around the world to produce these items of clothing that are as unique as you lot. All of the designs are printed using biodegradable, sustainable and water-based inks. And in addition to that, they only print on garments made by members of Fairwear Foundation. I mean, come on, great clothing and a conscience. Since going live in April last year, they've seen their audience grow massively and are now selling orders all across the world. And they were recognised by Cosmopolitan magazine as one of the best sustainable clothing brands alongside names such as Stella McCartney. I mean, that's quite a first year, right? So, go and check them out because they've put a lot of love into supporting this podcast and I couldn't be happier. What else they've done is they've given you 15% off. So if you head over to www.sosclothing.co.uk, do a bit of shopping, see what you like, throw it in the basket, and then on the way out, put in the discount code BEAT15, B-E-A-T-1-5, and that'll save you 15% off. Amazing, right? www.sosclothing.co.uk Official sponsors of Off The Beat and Track Podcast. Let's get back to that podcast. It's Off The Beat and Track Podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. With me, Stu Whipping. Okay, welcome to Off The Beat and Track Podcast. Uh, Joining me today via the means of Zoom uh, in lockdown is... Co-founder of XL Records, uh, founder of Positiva Records, um, music manager, um, finder of The Prodigy, uh, and most importantly, Trailblazers podcaster, which we will be uh, talking about all of these things in the duration of this podcast. Uh, hello, Nick Hawks. Hey, how you doing, mate? You all right? Yeah, good. So we've not seen each other for a few months, or I don't think anyone's really seen anyone for a few months, have they? That well, that's right. Apart from over the interwebs, you know, and it's just not the same, though, is it? Really? No, it's really not. I mean, I'm I'm looking uh, behind you at the moment, and it look from what I can see over your shoulder, Nick, it looks like my bedroom in 1989. Well, that's one of the advantages of of more time at home. Basically, I've got a big plastic bag that's been disintegrating uh that's been stuffed full of flyers and posters and stuff like that over the years never got time chance to do anything with them really they're just i do it i mean i you know i've dj'd you know quite a lot over the years although you know maybe not at a at a really high profile sort of level but running i run this club night now um with my best friend andy called reach up and then over the years there's been a whole bunch of positive bits and stuff under the name hawks for a little while and a lot of excel bits so all of these flyers just go in this plastic bag and and then you know being at home all the time um uh i actually managed to fish these things out and uh instead of a blank wall behind my decks in my sort of music room at home now uh yes you can see a whole bunch of sort of flyers and posters that i've stuck up which are you know maybe 30 years worth of of gigs and events that i've i've been to so you can see various yeah prodigy posters and bits with 
Positiva logos in Israel and New York and Canada. And yeah, I've, I've been very lucky, really, Steve. Well, Mick, how have you found, I mean, you just said that you've travelled the world as a, as, a, as a DJ and obviously as a, as a label boss and such. Um, uh, and how have you found all of a sudden being confined to your, your home? Well, um, <clears throat> you know, the one thing that we do have a bit of control over is, is, is you know, how we perceive uh, things ourselves. We can work on viewing the world around us uh, as having opportunities or as having uh, lots of threats and challenges and the reality is it's both. Um, but I suppose I have, I've had a mixed bag of emotions as probably we all have. Um, but I guess I've tried to view it as an opportunity to rest up a bit in a way um uh in the sense that i've spent 30 years um kind of in and out of clubs sort of most weeks so it's it's probably been the longest period since i was maybe 15 or something without setting foot inside a a nightclub so maybe that's a good thing a bit of a rest and a bit of a break from that scene a bit of a recharge of the batteries um do you feel do you feel like because because i'm very much the same as you obviously i I run a nightclub and it's the longest i've as you were saying that then i was just thinking wow yeah this is the longest i've never been in a nightclub um Mm. because i'm still there every week but what i want to know is because you know you spin a lot of plates uh, you know as, as a businessman and and what I'm interested in is, is something that I've, I've sort of struggled with having, a, you know, a few different bits and pieces on, on the go in, in lockdown. Is Are you able to kind of allow yourself, like, you know, an afternoon and just go, oh, do you know what, I'm gonna, just going to watch TV this afternoon? Are you, are you comfortable with that or do you feel guilty for that? I feel you should be doing something work-wise because I find if I stop for lunch... I'll put the TV on and just have a sandwich and I, and I watch TV and the minute I finish that sandwich, I think, right, I've got to carry on. And I haven't in reality. Yeah. And, and I just wonder how, how, how you deal with that. Do you know what mm. I'm saying? I, I know exactly what you're saying. Um, I mean, when uh, the whole thing sort of started, um, like many people, I thought, oh, right, so there's an opportunity here to do the things that I've not done and maybe I can learn a new language and blah 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 all that sort of stuff um the reality is I haven't learned a a big new skill it's not like I'm going to come out of lockdown going oh yeah I can speak Mandarin now no (laughs) it's not happening it's not happening nice idea but no um so I I you know I would say that I there's still quite a lot of work stuff flying around um, even though the artists I manage are not touring, there's still a whole bunch of communication flying around, people making records and doing stuff and making things happen. Um, so I would say that I, I haven't, I certainly haven't felt um, at any point kind of like I've maxed out the the things that I can do. I mean, I mean, I hear people 
say, oh, yeah, I've just like I've watched everything on Netflix. So, you know, I don't, kind of don't think there's anything more to watch because I've done every series. Go, I'm certainly not in that category. Um, so I, I've continued to work. I've continued to, to be pretty busy. Um, and on the guilt thing, do I feel, do I sort of find myself feeling guilty? I mean, um, I haven't had many afternoons where I have just, watch tv and done nothing because there's usually other stuff flying around um but if i do spend a bit of time doing non-work stuff then i don't feel guilty about it but i suppose what i would feel is that if i'd just been chilling for you know the afternoon and and not looked at email i'm sure i would then feel come 11 p.m. or midnight, I'll be like, yeah, I need to kind of get back across email and then I'll probably spend a couple of hours working. So, But the fortunate thing is that I do enjoy what I do. So um, whilst it is work, it it is, you know, I do enjoy it. So it doesn't, it doesn't necessarily feel like, oh, God, you know, this is such a terrible thing. I've got to jump on email at midnight. Yeah. This is awful. Because I'm engaging, you know, I like working with artists and I like being involved in helping records to emerge and all of that kind of thing. So, yeah, you know, it's there are definitely people who have been more radically affected um, by the whole lockdown thing than myself. I mean, the economics for everybody who's involved in artists who tour or club who run clubs that certainly is massively affected so i mean i mentioned the reach up night that i do um earlier um so that's uh, at the bussy building in south london uh, traditionally monthly and then myself and andy had about six gigs lined up i think on consecutive weekends we had dublin manchester glasgow dundee something somewhere else um and I, and they all and for us those just all you know disappeared. So obviously a, a you know just on that one a major think, impact. Yeah. As a fellow DJ and promoter, you know the, the 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 one thing that seems to be the the thing that's currently you know constantly being sort of said to me is well you have to understand that your industry is probably going to be right at the back of the queue when it comes to things starting again it's like you know obviously major sporting events and things like that but gigs clubs festivals you know it's huge amounts of people in confined spaces so Mm. you know i can't see there being a quick fix to that there is there isn't a quick fix and i do wonder what the shape of of it all will be as and when it does return and how different it may be to to what we've known before um, and it and it and it is a concern, um, but I try to, yeah. I mean, I try to look at the world around me and draw out what positives I can. I think it's it. a very important thing to do, mate. Yeah, and and I think I've always probably I've been fortunate in. I've always probably been orientated towards that or tried to tried to do that where I can um and 
we we'll just you know we've got to take it a day at a time and see where it where it lands i mean i think the music industry will you know there will be people who who won't be able to continue being full-time artists because they just will have to do something else to keep afloat um people who had relied who, who maybe were recording artists but relied completely on gig income to pay the rent rather than recorded income some a whole bunch of those people will have to do something else something else or will have to modify i mean we'll see paid for streams live streams kind of starting to to have more profile but you know the level of income that they'll generate and what kind of artist you need to be to earn significantly for paid for gig streaming all questions that are to be yet to be answered you know okay well let's let's get on with um today's playlist and sure. Nick, I will start. Um, obviously, with track one, and mm. track one is the song with the greatest ever intro. Yeah, well, this is difficult because there are lots of there are lots of records um, with great intros. Um, but <clears throat> I, the reason I picked the record that I've picked is because I, I have a very clear memory. Um, when I was in my teens of hearing this record. And at the time I heard it, the whole record, not just the intro, but the whole record I thought was basically the best record ever made. And I thought, how can any other record ever be better than this? It's just the pinnacle. This is, it sounds um, exciting and dynamic and futuristic and funky and edgy and it ticks all the boxes for me um and so and when the intro of this record starts and whenever i hear it again it takes me back to being a, a teenager growing up in portishead uh, which is just outside bristol on the coast uh, down there in the southwest um and i hear it again and i think wow i'm i'm I'm, I'm I'm blown away by the by by the emotions that hearing great music yeah. um, sort of sort of uh, triggers, if you like. Um, so uh, so yeah, I picked a, a record called um, Hip Hop Bebop Don't Stop by Man Parish. So what I want to ask, which I ask um, musicians this, and, and 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 let's not overlook the fact that you was you you, you was a musician. Um, but what I'm, I'm more interested in is you in, in the sort of label side of things and, yeah. and, and the sort of A&R mind that, that, that you've got. In regards to intros, so, you, you, you know. <clears throat> Excuse me, sorry. The, the one, track... se- one second, Stu. I've just got to have another cough. One second, mate. <coughs> right. I feel much better now. Thank you. Sorry. <laughs> Good to go, mate. Um, so, I mean, the track you, you, you chose is kind of early, sort of electro, sort of early early doors for hip hop, really, I guess. Yeah. Um, and 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 in regards to maybe sort of hip hop and, and and definitely the, the you know the, the 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 early sort of stages of dance music that you was involved with, that the early rave scene, um, and, and 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 right the way through to to the work that you you know you still do with 
with, with Liam, um, yeah, and a, pro- and a prodigy. Like yeah. intro, the the intro, especially from the ANR point of view. Like, how key is intro in in the music genres that you work in? Because dance music is historically kind of tailored towards DJs in in, in areas, and and there's not them instant rock and roll beginnings that, that you know that, mm. that, that, that sort of, sorry intros whereas with dance music sometimes is is tailored towards the dj to allow mixing and stuff like that what what do you what did you look for and what do you look for and and how have you seen the changes in in, in intros in music i mean you want something ideally that both grabs you um so it, it instantly excites you and, and and engages you um but also hints that something else really interesting and exciting is is going to happen i mean the easiest intros for club djs to mix are boring as hell to listen to just as a regular punter 16 bars of 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 four four beat you know if it's a house record or or 16 or 32 bars of some kind of breakbeat rolling along. If it's, you know, if we're going back to rave records, you know, the best DJ records were, were just were easily mixable. And, and something that's easily mixable is not necessarily going to be the most interesting listen. So you've got functional uh, kind of intros on records, which help DJs to, to support them. And then you've got... Um, intros to records that are just designed to be interesting, engaging, dynamic, and all the rest of it. I mean, really, in terms of making great records, um, the, the, the best records aren't ones where the producer has thought, let me make this easy, let me make it functional. Um, that doesn't necessarily make the best record. It helps to get a record played, but it doesn't help. Yeah make the best record so so you know i'm looking for all bits of of you know a record a track or if i'm listening to a a demo from an artist who you know is interested in me working with the management wise or or i i consult um uh and help new artists uh now uh also uh, i do some kind of one-to-one consultancy with developing artists and sometimes i say hey you know can you listen to my tracks and i'm try and figure out if I can help them. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm saying to them, just make the best music that you can make um, and make something that's engaging and dynamic and interesting and says something. Um, so I think that uh, in the general sort of record-making uh, space, I'm, I'm encouraging artists to put their best foot forward, if you like, rather than think too much about how do I package this up in a sort of functional manner. I think artists need to know where they sit um, in the ecosystem. So I think that's that's useful. So if I'm speaking to a new artist and I say, hey, kind of, I might sometimes say, hey, if I've not heard your music um who what, who would uh who might you be categorized next to hey if you like amy winehouse and you like joss stone you might like artist x i think it's useful for an artist to have that kind of understanding of where their 
you know, where their audience may be. Um, but equally, just 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 do your thing, make great records. Um, uh, hopefully, if you've got something to say, say it well, say it coherently, um, say it with confidence. Uh, and even if it's a theme that's been explored before, let's see if, if you can say it in a way that's a little bit different to the ways that it's been said before. And these are the kind of areas of encouragement and advice that I give to artists that I'm working with. I think that's probably the best that question's ever been answered, Nick. Oh, well, thanks. That's good to hear. <coughs> Excuse me. Mm. Nick, track two. The first song you remember hearing that had an emotional impact on you? Yes. So we go further back with this one than Porter's Head uh, days. Uh, this one takes me back to watching Top of the Pops um, as a kid um, when I used to live in uh, Loughborough uh, in, in Leicestershire in the Midlands. Um, and I watched Top of the Pops, um, and Top of the Pops was the big thing. So one night of the week that everybody watched music television and whatever you saw on that show would be the big talking point in schools mm. up and down the land and, you know, work cafes and workplace hangouts or whatever. It was a big – you remember it, Stu. It was a big thing, right? It, it can't be understated how – Huge that program was. How important that problem was. Uh, how important that program was. Um, how much of a talking point and how influential that was. Because music television didn't exist, and it was yeah. like you 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 got what was available, and and that was the that was the moment. Half hour Thursday yeah. nights, top that of the pops. Right. That was it. And and of course you didn't you didn't have the internet, so you couldn't just go and be expo just go online and tap it into you know into new interesting music easily if you were you were either watching top of the pops or you were listening to cassettes or bits of vinyl that you'd purchased or that you'd raided from your older brother's room or what have you um that was that was how it rolled um and this this pop group um uh sweet sweet were uh, the the first pop group that really had an impact on me, and um, interestingly, they were also the first pop group that I actually kind of saw sort of in person. Now, not at a gig, but my brother took me to Loughborough University, and Sweet were playing um, one evening there, um, and I was maybe seven years old, six, seven. I'm guessing around about that era. But he took me down there just to have a look about, if you like, um, in the the sort of late afternoon after school when the the band was sort of turning up for a sound check. And I sort of caught a, a bit of their presence. They turned up in a cool looking tinted windows kind of car and um, and they did their sound check and they shot off again. And I just was touched by a bit of pop star sizzle and glamour and all oh, that kind of looks exciting but I was very very young and he looked like a rock star didn't he yeah that was Brian Brian Connolly was the mm. lead singer and they all you know they all were over the top it was an era of glam rock and everything was big and impactful um the glam rock acts were not subtle they were they were in your face and um 
uh, and all that. And so, so the the single that that really touched me um, uh, and excited me, um, uh, and then became the first single that I remember going to buy as, as a seven inch uh, in Loughborough Market uh, was "Teenage Rampage" by The Sweet. What a great name for a song for a young lad to buy, Teenage Rampage. Mm. What more do you want as a young boy? Yeah, exactly. And obviously <laughs> way way off my teens at that point, but thinking, all right, yeah, this is this is what it's all about, is it? Uh, you know, a kind of exciting world, I suppose, of that, that I wasn't yet that I didn't at that age have access to. And you're right, a very a great song title. And again, just something that made me think, wow, this whole thing is very interesting and exciting and dynamic. So that that that, that emotion would have been like sort of wonder and, and excitement and... Yeah, it would have been all of those things. Wonder, excitement, maybe, you know, pr- priming some kind of imagination or anticipation about what this whole thing was about yeah. uh, music and performances and gigs. So you, obviously when you're six, seven years old, you don't really know what a gig is. You've not been in a, that sort of environment. But I suppose I was starting to imagine what it might be like at that age. Um, and then fortunately by having this sort of chance to just catch a bit of the vibe of the band arriving to do a sound check and then disappearing off. Bizarrely, I guess my first interaction with a, a pop star or, you know, or, or, or close presence to pop stars wasn't um, being a paying punter and watching the gig. Funnily enough, it was, it was slightly a little bit different to that. It was a little bit more behind the scenes, the sort of sound checky. And that's perhaps interesting when you look at my development that, that then I went on to be a little bit, you know, more behind the scenes kind of guy. So I don't know. Well, I want to touch on something that you, you just mentioned there behind the scenes, but you was also part of the scene as well. Um, if we're talking about the, you know, the, the, the right the, the, the early days of um of rave culture yeah and and going back to top of the pops did you get to perform on top of the pops i did um actually, come on how was that i want to know all about that well i've actually been on top of the pops twice nice. to. yeah yeah so once um are you gonna I, spoil the magic ah uh, <laughs> well no i mean I, i'll tell you the, the what i remember most about top of the pops was the, the week that um, The Bouncer by Kicks Like a Mule, um, uh, which is a record uh, that myself and uh, Richard Russell made together, the record the, the week that that um, was kind of high enough in the chart for us to be invited on top of the pop, so I think it was no, maybe number seven or something that week, um, was also a week that we had um, a record out by an act that i had signed called dream frequency who had signed to the city beat label so the bound even though essentially i was primarily involved in in kind of running xl at that at this point the bouncer didn't come out on xl actually came out on rebel mc's tribal bass label um but but yes what i remember well about top of the pops was that not only was i there as an artist but there was also another artist there that I'd signed and kind of A&R'd and helped them 
get their records together, Dream Frequency. So, so the day was unusual for me because I sort of flipped between artist mode and then I'd go and see the act that I'd signed who were also playing on top of the box that day. And I'd be saying things like, yeah, it looks good, but maybe the, should we shift the keyboards over a bit and maybe the dancers can maybe be a little bit more up front kind of. So yeah. I was flick, flick-flacking a little bit between behind the scenes uh, kind of record label guy mode and artist. So that, I mean, maybe that's enough. That it's possibly quite unusual to have yeah. both of those experiences on the same top of the box day. Spinning plates even back then, Nick. Hello. I've interrupted the podcast again, haven't I? Sorry, it won't take a sec. All I want to say is the songs that we're talking about in this podcast, if we can't play them, it's just because of the regulations regarding playing licensed music and such. So if you want to hear the songs, just go over to Spotify and search Off The Beat and Track Podcast and you can listen to all the songs because I've put playlists up for each of these. If you can't find it on there, I'll send links on all the social media accompanying each episode. So you've just got to press that one button and you can go through and you can enjoy all the songs that our guest picks. Anyway, I'll shut up, get back to the podcast. See you on the other side. What was interesting as well is is, uh, on Top of the Pops 2 at the moment, which is is, is still on BBC 3 or 4, I can't think which channel. And I love watching it. And it's it's, it's around 1988 at the moment. Mm. And, And it's a really interesting time to sort of see how historically Top of the Pops was, you know, uh, rock and roll bands and, you know, guitars and amps and, you know, or pans people behind them. Uh-huh. And then with the sort of evolution of electronic music and, and, and rave culture, it they, they didn't seem to know what to do. And it was like, right, okay, so we're going to have to give this guy like a keytar and uh, and he's going to have to sort of pretend to do that, and you know, otherwise we've just got two guys standing behind simps, and well, like, the, so you know, this this wasn't a problem for just for Top of the Pops. It was a problem for the industry as a whole. Uh, a head scratching: what what are all of these records about? What do we do with these records? For the for the major record labels, it was a kind of how the fuck are these records? just turning up at number seven or four in the chart and we've not heard them. We've not heard yeah. them on, on radio. They've not, and, and I got a few calls at the time, actually, when, when we were having that run of, um, you know, big smashes at XL, um, starting off, I suppose, with sort of top 15 records like Anastasia by T99, Cubic 22, Night in Motion, and then it became bigger records, all of the Prodigy stuff and SL2. And you, you know, and I got calls from guys that I knew at major record labels saying, oh, Nick, yeah, I'll just call up, check in, see how you're doing. Oh, well, I'm fine, thanks. Yeah, no, well done on whatever record had gone in at number three. Oh, cheers, man. And then it would be, yeah, yeah, I was just wondering, you know, do, you know, did you, what do you think kind of helped with that? Was it the video that was important or did you, you know, did you get much radio? You know, these major label guys basically going roughly translated, how the fuck is this happening? Yeah. Um, you know, how on earth are these records exploding? We are literally sat in our offices scratching our head trying to figure out how this thing 
is happening. So I'm presuming you're getting these messages from sort of major labels that, that have That's huge right. marketing teams and structure and, mm. and you've got this exciting new independent label that's that's this romp in the charts it's, it's, oh, it's, absolutely it's fucking punk rock again isn't it it's well, like it, it was uh it was indeed because these records were were not coming through the traditional system um and uh there was something incredibly exciting about that that you could have a big hit record Without daytime playlists and without a, a video that was featured on, you know, the main programs, it really was, you know, power to the people, so to speak, um, that, that that with the right record, that those who were, were tapped into this exploding scene, that, that alone could deliver your record, um, you know, into the, the higher reaches of, of the chart. And, and these could be records that had been made by a kid in a bedroom. And yeah. maybe the label had only paid a thousand pounds or 1500 quid to sign the record. And then, yeah, you know, 12, 15 weeks later, it could be sat at number two. It was a very exciting period. There's no doubt about it. And, you know, I, I can see the prodigy um, poster over your shoulder and, and it'd be criminal not to, to say that, you know, looking back then at bands and, and Top of the Pops, how they would sort of struggle as to how they can make, you know, the, the, the these chart these chart bothering dance records like you know a, a, a visual spectacle and not just mm. a couple of guys with it. I mean, if there was ever a, a template as to go from that to festival headlining. Yeah, one of the most spectacular visual things you will ever see is the Prodigy Live, and it's yeah. not just you know the Chemical Brothers do things amazingly with visuals and things like that, but Prodigy mm. just rewrote it. You know they took dance music to rock festivals. You know, and yeah. it's that that that's that's something that's very very impressive. Yeah, and uh, they and they never did Top of the Pops. Interesting, we were talking about Top of the Pops. So whilst I was happy to bounce around behind a keyboard um when uh, when kicks like mill were top 10 the the prodigy v was nah you know where it's it's not something that we want to do so we're not going to do it even though everybody else is doing it and even though we know that our records potentially would be bigger and hey maybe we would have had a you know a number one record with a, a record that sat at number two that's fine because we don't want to do it, and and that's part. That was part of the template as well of of an and artist knowing knowing what they're about, knowing what's right for them, doing what's right for them, sticking to their guns. Um, and I, and you know, I think that's something to this day it comes across that they do their yeah, thing and, and that's their thing. And and yeah, yeah. No. okay. Um, track three, Nick. The song that reminds you of your time at school. Yes. Um, so when I was, uh, we'll go back to Portishead here. So, so yeah, I was in the Midlands when I was school, <coughs> junior school, infant school age, I suppose. And then I um, moved to Portishead um, when I was maybe about, let's think, was I 10 years old, maybe then, something around that, I guess. Um, and uh, it was... When I was going to school in Porter's Head, uh, that I first um, found myself uh, in an environment where there were DJs who were playing records, 
and had flashing lights and all of that. It was the school disco, which was delivered by a um, always school discos were run by this mobile disco setup called Crazy Psychedelic Shack. And um, myself and my best mate, Andy Smith, um, who I now run Reach Up with, and Andy went on to um, provide samples for Porter's Head, which is Jeff Barrow, who's a couple of years younger than us at school. Um, and, and Andy did world tours with that band and went on to do his document mix album series and loads and loads of stuff. But anyway, um, when we were both kids, we would stand there um, near to the decks when Crazy Psychedelic Shack would do the mobile disco thing. Um, and we would, you know, see them queue up records that thing where you put the needle in the groove of a piece of vinyl and wind it forwards, wind it backwards. Um, and we were just kind of a bit mesmerized by how that whole thing worked. We, we just were trying to figure out what was going on. They actually, rather than a pair of traditional headphones with two kind of cans that you put over each ear, they queued up their records on a, on an old telephone handset. So a thing that like you hold in one hand and, one thing goes to your ear and one thing goes to your mouth. They used to Mark, keep... Mark Moore from S Express still still uses that to this day. Yes, yes. So they used to <laughs> they used to use that to queue up their records. And when Andy and I first saw them with that thing, and we were like, "So what's he doing?" Because we didn't know that you queued up records, and we didn't know that something like that that telephone thing could be could be used to figure out where the start of a record is. It would be like the guy's on the phone. Like he's DJ. We're like, what is he doing on the phone? And the only thing we could think of was, is it some sort of close, you know, sort of, um, sort of proximity, almost like a walkie-talkie? Is it? Is it like a thing where he's asking somebody who's outside in the van to bring in some more, you know? Depeche Mode or something. Oh, you know, is, is he saying we've had somebody who's requested Depeche Mode and haven't got any? Can you bring some more in from the van? We didn't know. We didn't know. But then we figured out. Oh, that, that they're queuing up records and the the guys who run that club, sorry, that mobile disco, explained to us what they were doing. And we even got to sort of practice queuing up a few couple of records. Uh, so all of that engagement was our first, um, you know, exposure to what it's like to be in an environment where people uh, are DJing and there's flashing lights and there's a dance floor full of punters. Um, and we loved it and we were, we were hooked. Um, and um, funnily enough, my, uh, my best mate, Andy had a, a big birthday celebration um, uh, a couple of years ago and he managed to get hold of crazy psychedelic shack and he had his, birthday celebrations in the in the common room at our old uh, comprehensive school that we went to and the guys played and Andy superb queued, and he queued up the same record uh that he'd queued up on their turntables as an 11 year old or something all of these decades later and it was lovely man so yeah that, that was a superb way to to celebrate a, a big birthday and the record that i've picked that reminds me um of school and school discos and crazy psychedelic shack is uh, michael jackson don't stop till you get enough and the reason i picked this um is that as people filtered into the school uh common room you know ahead of a um or, or, or whilst uh 
the school disco started, um, it would kind of get busier and get busier, and the guys would just have their music on at kind of half volume level as people milled around. And then it, it got to that point where there was enough people in the room that crazy psychedelic shack thought, yeah, right, time to let's have it now. And then they put on a, a sort of countdown jingle. They'd have a couple of pyrotechnics that would explode, and then it would slam into the 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 the, the front end of "Don't Stop Till You Get Enough." And suddenly, the dance floor would just be packed instantly in the click of the fingers. And so, uh, when I hear this record, I always think of that. So uh, let's. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Yeah, that's, that's the one I've chosen. That's wonderful, Nick. And, and whatever people's opinions are on Michael Jackson, separating the man from the music, that, that track, I think is one of the greatest dance records ever made. And, it is. And that, the edited version at the beginning without the kind of the, 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 the longer intro, as soon as you hear that, that whoop. And yep. then I, I think it's one of the greatest intros ever. It is just, it is. you can't not dance. It, it just gets you. It's just yeah. perfect. Absolute it, perfect. It is. Well, I could have had that one as best intro as well, but then I wouldn't have had this story to tell about school yeah. days, would I? So I had to save this one for the school days bit. Oh, that's brilliant. Brilliant. What did you want to be at school, Nick? Um, I, I mean, I was into football originally. Um, and then like so many, um, sort of young boys, I guess you football's your thing. And then, and then you end up flipping across to music really. Um, and obviously sometimes the, the, the football passion remains in parallel or sometimes the football thing disappears a little bit as music takes over. Um, so I had a football a phase where I was very keen on football. Um, and then from the 12, 13, 14, 15, I was really getting into, into music. Um, so I, when I was at school, I was thinking, wouldn't it be great if I could work in 
radio, maybe, as a sort of radio DJ, or records, maybe some kind of being a record promoter or working for a record label. So I had the music bug pretty heavily through my teens. Um, so, again, I think I was fortunate in in the fact that I knew I knew it was my passion uh, at a pretty early age. And then I, I was able to sort of follow that passion by doing a bunch of stuff when I was at school, when I was at uni, that, that all linked into it. And I think all of that stuff meant that when I then left uni, I, I went to Goldsmiths College and did a communications and sociology degree. I mean, to be honest, the, the way that my interest in, in music shaped my, my studies was, was profound in the sense that I only applied to unis in London. I, did, I just figured I don't want to be in Newcastle or Glasgow or Brighton because there aren't any big radio stations based there and record labels and big magazines. I want to be in London where the biggest, where Radio One is and where all of the, the opportunities. Yeah. You know, so, so I kind of figured I only want to study in, in London. And then I got a, a place at, at uni in London. Um, and then that meant I could do other stuff, run club nights and, um, you know, kind of help out, you know, intern. I kind of helped out at, Radio One, actually, um, when I was at uni, you kind of was a member of a thing called the Pop Panel Sunday mornings on Radio One reviewing records. I kind of blagged my way into. Um, and so, yeah, in answer to your question, yes, it was music in some shape or form, um, but I didn't quite know. And then I think when I left uni, I was thinking oh, it would be great if I could get something in either radio or records and see what happens. And perhaps if I, my first job that I got offered was as like a junior record librarian or something at Capital, maybe I would have really gone down the radio line, but I was the first proper job I got offered was um, doing dance music um, promotion, um, kind of working on club and radio for uh, uh, an independent promotion company called Secret Promotion. So then I, then I found myself in the, the records kind of lane and uh, stuck with it. Okay. Track four, you mentioned um, The Suite earlier, but mm. um, as the first uh, single you bought from a record store, can you remember um, any others that you bought for uh, for track four? Oh, um, I mean, I've bought plenty of records over the years. Remind me what track four is. Uh, track four what, is the first song that you bought from a record store. Oh, gosh, that was The Suite. Yeah. Um, oh, because it was. I've answered two questions in That's one, fine. haven't I? That's fine. The, the emotional impact and the first <laughs> song. Um, I mean, so so I would say, um, I would say that that if we're looking for interesting stories, we should move on more on to. Um, did you want to do something about clubbing years? All day long, Nick. This is what I've been, uh, I've, I've been looking forward to this one. Um, ah. So for track five, Nick, the song that soundtracked your your years in Clubland, which is interesting because for so many guests that I have on that are musicians, they go, whoa, blimey, you know, that was in the 90s I was doing, it's like, you ain't stopped, so you're still there. Yeah, it's, it, which makes it a, a tricky one to answer. Yeah, because, I mean, like we talked about lockdown, I mean, um, yeah, I've just I've been in and out of clubs all the way through 
decade on decade. So, so yeah, like, <laughs> like yeah, sum up, pick a tune from your clubbing era. What you mean, the era between fourteen years old and fifty-two? Um, pretty funny. Um, well, the track that that I picked um, here is is one that um, perhaps reflects the most intense clubbing uh, era that I had, but not clubbing as a punter, but being in nightclubs as a, as a DJ. So between uh, let's think the first and second year of uni um, I, in the summer holidays, I went out to Magaluf in Mallorca um, and I got a job DJing in a bar, first of all, in a little bar, um, which in its own right was quite entertaining um, because I don't think this place had a, a dancing license. So I would DJ in this bar and I'd be getting the music whacked up and people be dancing on the tables and standing on the bar and all of this. And then the guy who owned it would keep looking over his shoulder nervously out the window while all this was going on. And then presumably what would happen is occasionally maybe a local councillor or a, or a local police person or something would wander by and then he'd come over to me and go, no, 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 Nick, 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 you must, you must go. And he'd usher me into this sort of stock room where all the, like the crates of beer were and I'd hide in the stock room whilst he then, while everybody would get down off the tables in the bar and he would play some music at sort of half volume and people would scratch their head and go, what? Oh, okay. And some would drift off out or some would just go sit down, have a quiet drink. And then presumably it was the local councillor or something with like, oh, right, that's fine. Everything's in order there and would disappear off again. About five minutes later, we'd come back into the stock room. Nick, Nick, okay, now you go again. You know, I'd come out, start cranking out. Everybody get back up on the tables and start dancing on the bar again. So that was the, the first gig in, in Mallorca, <clears throat> in Magaluf. But then, it, you know, there was it was a bar rather than a club. And I'd been there for a couple of weeks, and then I got off a job at a big, a big club called Tokyo Joe's. Um, and Tokyo Joe's was quite appealing because, one, the music that was generally played there was kind of more really dance-based, so it was funk and kind of early house, um, uh, and and some you know some early rap records were was the kind of soundtrack they expected, um, and it was a proper club, so people could co- properly dance all night, and the the owner didn't stick me in the the, the stock room at any point. <laughs> um, but what it meant was uh, that I DJed there from probably ten or ten thirty at night through till six a.m. every night of the week for months. And I probably did about 86 nights or something in a row DJing at this place. And, you know, I was when you DJ 86 nights in a row or whatever it was for approximately eight hours a night, you, you are putting records on in your sleep. You are waking up thinking that you need to put another record on because it's such a, you know, such a dominating part of of your 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 life but you learn a lot from it and what i learned there was that you know the big tunes of the day if you want to keep the, the club full then you play them three times a night it, you know it's a very different skill it's not one of these it's not like the, the skill of a dj who just turns up for an hour and blasts out the big tunes and then disappears this is a skill that, that resident djs in clubs and bars all over the world have learned 
like, hey, okay, people are coming in. It's getting a bit busier. Yeah, I'll play the big record now. It's 11.30 and it should get a load of people on the dance floor. And then because it's a big record, you know, come 2.30 in the morning, if a few people are starting to thin out, ah, I need to draw for that record again. And probably when it reaches 5.30 a.m. and you're trying to keep the stragglers still there, you, you pull it out again. So they, 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 this one record, I, I seem to play at least two or three times a night for most of this summer of DJing in, in, in Tokyo Joe's in Magaluf. Um, and I've, uh, I've picked out New Shoes, um, uh, I Just Can't Wait, which is a record that still, I still have the same bit of vinyl that I played um, in that uh, summer in the 80s. Um, and it's got, uh, you know, it's a, a piece of vinyl that's got played at Reach Up club nights in Berlin and Lisbon and in the Bussy Building. And they were German, weren't they, new shoes? Uh, do you what? Do you know? Were they German new shoes? I think they were. Possibly Dutch. Dutch or Maybe. German. One Maybe. of the two. Yeah, one of the two. What a uh, record. Yeah, it's a great record, isn't it? And But it's funny that that, that same record that, that got all of that um, kind of play uh, there still is something that I carry around with me, you know, doing the, the reach up stuff. But actually it goes further back than that though. So, so whilst I play the, the, uh, you know, the, the new shoes thing, I mean, there's records that Andy Smith and I going back to the other anecdote, there's records that we bought as 15 year olds, you know, going into Bristol on a Saturday afternoon, going around the record stores and we might've bought brothers Johnson stomp or, um, some Earth, Wind and Fire thing or Above and Beyond by Edgar Winter or whatever, these records that we bought as, you know, 13, 14, 15, 16-year-olds. And those records we've been supporting and playing at our sort of roving club nights over the last few years. So it's crazy, isn't it? It's wonderful. And while we're talking... Um, hometowns for track mm. six, Nick's. Uh, yeah. your favorite song from an artist from your home county, yeah. So, growing up in Portishead, um, we were, yeah, kind of maybe a half hour drive or so outside of Bristol. Um, so Bristol was where we would go to on the bus to look around the shops and then would to, to go to some gigs. Um, and, and club nights and all the rest of it. And there is a lot of great music that's come out of the West Country and Bristol in, in particular. Um, I uh, worked on some West Country um, music when I started at Secret Promotion. So I was working um, on Smith & Mighty. Uh, who had a couple of big kind of down-tempo cover version records, neither of which were, were, were big pop hits, but they were big records at the time, um, Walk On uh, and Anyone. Um, um, but uh, and I actually I picked another Bristol act uh, for this. I've not picked a Porter's Head record, even though that's very, very close to home. Uh, but I've, I've picked Unfinished Sympathy by Massive Attack, which is, is, a, is a, a, a big favourite for many. Um, and it's a, it's a thing of, of real beauty. 
um, still sounds amazing. It's timeless. It's going to sound amazing in 10 or 20 years or 40 years time if we're all still around. Um, <laughs> or maybe it'll be a bunch of cyborg robots listening to it at that point. Who knows? In a, in a bit of tumbleweed. Um, but yeah, a great record uh, from close to home. Um, and uh, uh, yeah, that's why I, I decided that uh, I, I would pick that one. I think it's as close to a perfect record as you can get. And and I think I, I mentioned it the other day when I was I was recording one of these that so many bands have like sorry, so few bands have this this one song that sounds quite different to the rest of their, their catalogue of works, but just refuses to 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 date. It just mm-hmm. still sounds as fresh today as it did then and yeah, and an incredible band, but that moment and the Sharon Nelson's vocal is is just wonderful. It is, isn't it? Amazing how some records still manage to sound futuristic when you listen to them forty years after they've been made. How does that work, Nick? That's um, the conversation I was having. That is exactly the conversation I was having, and I, and I referenced Fool's Gold by the Stone Roses. I mentioned How Soon Is Now by the Smiths. Like these songs don't sound like their other works, yet they, they just sound like they're from out of out of time from somewhere. It's brilliant. The 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 two some of the records that I think of when I when I think of records that still in some way sound futuristic. So I feel love Donna Summer. I mean that comes from Out of Space. That record. No one on this planet made that. <laughs> Impossible impossible amazing isn't it and and then you listen to Kraftwerk, you know autobahn or something from oh. 1974 or whatever it was and you're like are you joking are you kidding me this was made in 1973 74 is astonishing but so, that's you know so what i like to do on this podcast is obviously talk to to guests about the songs that have soundtracked their lives um you've just mentioned um Marodo and, and, and Donna Summer there with uh, mm. I Feel Love, and you've obviously mentioned mm. Kraftwerk, mm. Um, pioneers of you know electronic music. And so yeah. it, it seems like a good good point to, to mention the podcast that you and Eddie do. Mm. Mm. Yeah, so that's Trailblazers, Electronic Pioneers. Um, and then depending on when exactly this recording kind of goes out, we're prob- probably at the time that listeners are hearing this, it's either the new series is probably just about to drop or is just started um and that's our third series um and we've got some excellent guests uh in this this third series um so we we speak to trevor horn for example so that's a, an interesting conversation where we're, we're talking about Frankie Goes to Hollywood with him and ABC um, and also the, the Malcolm McLaren records. I mean, all landmark productions there. Yeah, so so we that's an enjoyable one. Um, James, James Lavelle uh, is in there, a guy who's also got astonishing, you know, history. Um, uh, and, and Arthur Baker um, also. So he, he obviously produced the Rockers Revenge, Walking on Sunshine and, and Planet Rock. So Freeze. We, yeah, that's right, IOU. So we New got, Order. Yes. So so we've we're blessed with our, our guests uh in the new series of Trailblazers. Um and we've been blessed with the guests in the in the episodes that uh, that led up to the, the new series with some amazing conversations. And if you haven't heard the podcast it you know 
uh, there there's they're all out there um uh, and there's some really cool conversations that we had with people like Fatboy Slim, Goldie, Paul Oakenfold, um, etc. Um, and yes, you, you're right. It's myself and Eddie Temple Morris. So it's a nice kind of triangular conversation. It's it, 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 the conversations don't seem to be as formal as, as some one-to-one interviews are. Yeah. The conversation can kind of be a bit more fluid and, Somebody can say something about Berlin and then somebody else will go, oh, actually, I, you know, I was in Berlin a couple of years ago and this happened. And really nice, really enjoyable conversations. But also it's an archive of, of people who aren't going to be around forever. 100%. 100%. So, so it's, uh, it's something we enjoy doing and we, we hope that the, that the Trailblazers podcast will, will, will act as a, as a really useful re- resource if in in five years, ten years' time, people go, yeah, we, I want to dig more into this whole electronic music thing and find out who who did what and when. Um, hopefully, there'll be a lot of interesting stuff that people can can discover. And, I, and I'll say that um, you know, w- w- without blowing too much smoke up yours and Eddie's backsides, um, yeah. it was a, a big influence on, on this podcast. Yeah. Um, I, it's one of my favourite podcasts to listen to, and, and mm. I, I knew Eddie, and I'd, 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 I'd not met you uh, until yeah. I'd heard Trailblazers, and and we we met through Scroob, and uh, and 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 I think I said to you when um, I listened to the, the first series that the, the Daniel Miller episode knocked yeah. me sideways, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. and it, it and it was fascinating, and, and the one that that really surprised me was someone whose body of work I thought was just the M people, and and when I listened to that, I was like. Oh my god! Like this guy that I dismissed as as not being a fan of the M people, I was like, uh, "Yeah, I'm not really. I'll give this one a spin." And it was probably my favourite episode. Well, that's pretty interesting. Yes, yeah, so that's the Mike Pickering uh, episode, and 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 yeah, what what is interesting is that 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 so many people have so many interesting stories and and are much more than just the headlines yeah. uh, and that's why it's endlessly fascinating for me to to talk to people not just in in music but in in all areas because i always find out interesting stuff because people have have experienced so many things you can you can just take the view you know, let's say you get into an Uber, you can go, hey, I want to get to A to B, from A to B, and that's why I'm in the Uber, so I'm just going to get from A to B and focus on my journey, and that's it. But equally, sometimes it's an opportunity to learn all kinds of stuff, learn about what it's like to experience war in Afghanistan, or learn what it's like to move to wherever as a kid and this that all sorts of crazy stuff that people have experienced and uh, you know people have fascinating stories and that's great that on mike pickering that you were able to learn so much more about him because of course you just thought ah, oh, it's the end people going oh, i'm not into end people maybe kind of dismissed it but that's a guy who's done amazing amazing things and and um you know yeah it's one of the great pleasures of my life meeting new people learning about them talking to them and I'm kind of working on some new podcast uh, initiatives at the moment that that will uh, hopefully give me some more interesting conversations over uh, months and years to come. Hundred mm. percent. 
Well, let's go back to uh, Nick Hawks, the DJ. For track mm. seven, um, it's your opportunity to uh, play somebody a song that they may not know that you would like them to hear. Yes. I mean, this is a, a tough one as well, because how many really good records are there out there that, that the majority of the population just haven't heard? Uh, many, 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 because it's hard to get um, people's attention. It's hard to get people's ears across new music. Everybody's busy. I mean, this lockdown period has been different because at least we know that people have primarily been at home. Um, and haven't been jetting around or or busy rushing to out of their out of their homes. But then again, um, during lockdown, there's been people who've been up to their eyeballs, parenting young children, and still have not had the time to to listen to new music in the way that maybe they would have, have liked to. So very difficult choice of all of the, the records that are out there. There's one wonderful record um, from a Grammy-nominated artist uh, that I manage called Engineers Experiment, and myself and Stephen Brains um, manage Engineers Experiment, a name that perhaps is, is not known to um, most listeners. Um, uh, but uh, they, uh, there's a wonderful... Uh, record called Symbol, and there's a, a track on this album um, which is called Light from One, and it's one of the most beautiful pieces of music uh, that, that that I know. Um, but most people don't know it, so um, yeah, I thought I'd pick something that was a record that I I've worked on and I've worked with the artist, but it, it kind of goes to show that. There can be artists that one can work with and you can have big success and everybody knows those records. And then you can also work hard with other artists and the records just don't find their way through. Um, and that's the nature of the music industry. And it's something that we have to accept working in the music industry, that there will always be great records that that don't get the level of attention that they deserve. That's just part part of it. So the record that I, I thought I'd uh, play is Light From One uh, from uh, featuring Anne Brun, uh, it's, uh, and it's by Engineers Experiment. Wonderful. Well, will there be a Spotify playlist accompanying this podcast uh, with all of the songs that um, that you've chosen? And I'm going to throw some of the other ones in that we've, we've, we've spoke about as well. Yeah. Um, and so um, Trailblazers weekly podcast, Yes, that's uh, that's right. Uh, so a new episode um, each week um, uh, uh, for the duration of this new series. If people want to find out kind of what's happening um, in a bit more detail, where are we at, what's the next one, all the rest of it, uh, then they could follow me on my socials, uh, Nick Hawks, N-I-C-K-H-A-L-K-E-S on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, um, and then there's, I'm usually posting some clips of the the, the episode that, that comes next. Um, well, so yeah, that's I'll happening. tag you and Eddie in in all the um, all the posts oh, when this goes out as well. So brilliant, uh, brilliant. people yeah. will be able to to access it all. And um, and yeah, and I'm sure there'll be some love shared via Pod Bible as well because it is a podcast that, um, as I said when I first met you, I'm a, I'm a big fan of. So it's, oh, uh, brilliant. Well, thanks for your support, man. We uh, we appreciate that. It's a pleasure to sit and talk to you. Thanks ever so much, Nick. It's been great. You take care, Stu, and I'll speak soon. 
a lot, a lot of great stories. And we could have chatted for hours. I've, I've spoke to Nick. He guested on the um, Hardcore Listing podcast that I do with Chris Glasson. And, I mean, I'd recommend you go and listen to that as well because over on there, we really go into his kind of formative years as, as, a, as a club promoter. And, and some of the things that he was doing uh, in Ibiza are just real maverick moves. And, uh, and, and you can see someone had a, a real eye for, for being in the right place at the right time and doing the right thing. Um, yeah, and uh, and go and check out Trailblazers. Um, it's it's such a good podcast, and, and as mentioned, the, the Mike Pickering episode and and the Daniel Miller episode. I, I can't recommend them enough. Um, and yeah, just go and have a, a little route around because it really is a who's who of, of of electronic music. Okay, right, I'll be back next week. If you can't wait till then, why not go and check out my Patreon page? Um, there's an off the beaten track Patreon, so go over there, and there's over a hundred unique episodes over there as well, and you can support the podcast by by signing up over there. Um, and also, just subscribe, subscribe on 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 iTunes or on whatever platform you listen to, and then that way. Each week, your, your little episode of Off the Beaten Track, and my lispy voice will just automatically find its way onto your listening device. Listening, that's an hard word to say of a lisp. See you next time. Mind there you go. Stay safe. Bye-bye. Oh, yeah? Sorry. I've butted in yet again. I just want to quickly tell you about this magazine. It's called Pod Bible. Now, Pod Bible is the new essential guide to podcasts. It's put together alongside Spotify and Acast, and it's a one-stop shop to tell you all about the podcasts you maybe know about, but definitely about a load of the podcasts that you probably don't know about that we think you should know about. I mean, in the first edition, there's interviews with Adam Buxton, interviews with Craig Parkinson, um, there's features on Jade Adams, and there's just an abundance of information about so many exciting podcasts that are out there. Also, Spotify have given us these amazing little codes. So if you do get a print copy, you can just turn on your Spotify on your phone, scan the little code, and it just automatically opens up the podcast on your listening device. How good's that? If you haven't managed to get a print copy, then just go over to www.podbiblemag.com and read it online because the digital version is all over there and it's all free. So every other month, there'll be a new edition out. So go and have a look and support us on the social medias as well. Podbiblemag.com It's off the beat and track podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. With me, Stu Whipping. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. 
Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.